0: A sculpture begins with a big piece of marble. And then Michelangelo, somebody asked him, So, how do you get from like this big piece of marble to something beautiful? He's like, well, I just take away every piece that's not necessary. A great artist already knows what the finished product is supposed to look like and just simply goes at just chipping it away. And the beauty is, is God knows what you look like perfected in Jesus. The God that we serve knows our beginning to our end. He knows the very number of hairs on your head or the lack thereof. Like Pastor Daniel just described, like an artist, God is slowly working on His masterpiece, His poema that is you. The important part of this process is that we continue to say yes to Him each day, allowing Him to make those changes that only He can make, to change us into the image of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in the book of Revelation with our continuing study entitled, Diagnosis, Just Walk Through It was amazing watching people's Facebook updates about when they caught those one of those two brothers. Before that, Osama bin Laden. Jesus says that we should love them. For some of us, it's homosexuals because they want to push their quote-unquote people would say their agenda on us. Jesus said we should love them. Some of us, it's the Republicans. Jesus says you should love them. And for some of you, it's the Democrats and our current president and the Supreme Court and Wall Street and the 99%. For some of you, it's the Tea Party. For some of you, it's the exceedingly liberals. For some of you, it's your neighbor or your spouse or your children or your parents. Now, if Jesus is holy and true... Whoever it is that you, and listen, in church, we know we're not supposed to hate anyone, we just don't really like them very much. We we like to pasteurize it. But whoever it is who sits in that category, Jesus says, as a commandment, we should love them. Now, if Jesus is holy and true, then we either say, yes, Lord, and respond to him and say, God, I don't know how I'm going to do that. But you are lovable. You can love me. How do I love somebody else? Now, what's interesting is for those of you who are here today who maybe aren't Christian, you have a whole other set of people who you hate. And I'm quite sure that some of you in here, maybe at our in our chapel right now, watching online, one of our other venues, some of you hate all of us here. And we're happy that you're here today because we love you. And we would love your love back. If Jesus is holy and true, that totally changes the way we live, doesn't it? It has to change us because he comes right in and he upsets the apple cart. and He's like, oh, no, no, you can't get away with that. You can't get away with living like that. I told you you should love your enemies. So whoever it is who you really don't like, you got to love him because he's holy and true. But we live in a culture. It's easy to dismiss Jesus. Disruptive G. Oh, yeah. He's just a old, you know, yeah, he's my Lord and savior and stuff, but let's not get too serious about that Jesus stuff. But he's holy and true. So when Jesus says, love your enemy, if he is indeed holy and true, then you say, okay, Lord, I surrender. I I give up, Lord. It's like the Lord's got a sleeper hold on each one of us. And at some point, he's got to tap out. I'm done, Lord. Okay, I'm going to love. Teach me how. He's the true Messiah. Because only the Messiah is holy. Messiah has a long history in the Bible, God's anointed one. There's only one God who saves. And that God became a man, walked him on the earth. His name is Jesus. He was holy. Because he was holy and distinct, because he was flawless, he was a worthy sacrifice for us. He lived the life that we we should live, but we can't. He died the death that we deserved. Not only is he holy and true, but notice he opens doors. Because then all of a sudden you get this quote in here. He who is holy and true... He who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. Now this is a quotation from Isaiah chapter 22, verse 22. Isaiah 22:22. And if you were to read this section, the few verses before and after, what you find is that the, this key of David, it alludes to an incident where the post of secretary of state was being moved from an unfaithful Person named Shebna to the faithful Eliakim. So the idea was when somebody had the, and this was part of David's court, and so the key of David, somebody was entrusted by the king to open and shut doors, to allow entry and to close entry. And Shebna was unfaithful, and so God removed the keys from Shebna and he gave them to Eliakim, who was faithful. And once Eliakim was given these keys, he was told, "Listen, these are the keys of David. If you open, no one can shut it. If you shut, no one can open it. And now this is being applied to Jesus. This shows that Jesus has lordship over the house of David. Remember, in Second Samuel 7, David was promised that on his throne somebody would sit perpetually. They call it the Davidic covenant. And no doubt the Davidic covenant, it's why our Bibles, our New Testaments begin with the phrase, this is the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Because what Matthew is saying, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is that Jesus, he becomes the keeper and the and the recipient of all of Abraham's promises and all of David's promises. He's the fulfillment. He is the Messiah. But I love this. Jesus is saying, I have the keys of David. I open and no one can shut. I shut and no one can open. Jesus is the true Messiah who opens doors. Now, from there, look at what happens in verse 8. He says, I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it, for you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. So this is the good. And... We can sum up this verse in two simple words. Be faithful. Be faithful. Because Jesus is saying, look, I know your works. He said that to almost every church, right? I I know what you do. I know how you live. I know what you're all about. But notice what he says to them. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door. And no one can shut it. Wow. Wow. I mean, that's like a mega cool promise, isn't it? I'd open the door. No one, no one can shut it. And even though he goes on to say, he's like, but listen, you, you have a little strength, he says to them. You have kept my word. You have not denied my name. See, Jesus is saying to them, be faithful. I know, I know who you are. I've opened a door for you, and no one can shut it. Even though you don't feel exceedingly strong, You don't feel like you got it all going on. You've kept my word. You haven't denied my name. I've opened a door for you. And brothers and sisters, God has opened a door for each one of us and us as a church collectively. There are doors that are open before you that no one can shut. There are opportunities right in front of each one of us to grab hold of the life he's given us and do the work of the ministry right here, right now. But the question is, Is are we faithful to the open door? So you know what happens for us? It's part of our culture, and, and listen, I do a lot of critiquing of our culture because I believe it's part of my job. Wherever our cultural values do not line up with what I believe to be biblical values, I have to critique it. We live in a day and age where we're always looking for the open door that comes later. Like, you go to school, so that you can go to college. You go to college so that you can get a job, so that you can make a nice living, so that at some point you can get married, have kids, buy a house, collect a couple car payments, load up the credit card. Then you retire so that you can have fun until you die. I mean, is that, that's pretty honest, right? But you know what happens? Nobody ever grabs hold of the open door of school for it just being school. And then you go to college and no one ever just grabs hold of well, it's, just, it's college. This is God's opportunity in my life. Even though they lead somewhere else, we're so busy looking for that next step on the accumulation scale that we never actually embrace the open door of where we are right now. For those of you who are single, man, I got to get me to the gym and get myself out there and go to church so I can meet a nice guy or girl. Never embracing singleness as an opportunity. People who are married are like, man, I can't wait for this to be over. (laughs) Now, I know that's not anybody in this room, but there's some people just, yeah, you know, we just get out of this marriage. You're going to have some fun. And no dishes. We're constantly neglecting the open door right in front of us because we're focused on the next step. If I do this, I can get here and then I can get here. But notice, I have not, I will set before you an open door. I have. And that is in the present tense, brothers and sisters. And yes, don't get me wrong, God will open other doors later as our circumstances and life changes, but God has set before us an open door and he is asking each one of us, just like the church of Philadelphia, we just need to be faithful, being faithful with the step that we're on, doing right where we are, not where we're not, right where we are really well. The Bible says if you are faithful in the little things, God will give you greater things, bigger things. Brothers, sisters, like the church in Philadelphia, we need to be faithful right where we are. God had set before the church in Philadelphia an open door. No one could shut it. They weren't strong. They just kept his word. They didn't deny his name. And Jesus is saying, just be faithful. And for you and I today, God wants us just to be faithful. Do you realize in a church the size of Crossroads, the opportunities for ministry we have, if each one of us made the mission of Jesus as part of our lives, could you imagine all the good we could do in the world, all the ways we can transform our community and our world with gospel proclamation and gospel living and demonstration as Kevin Palau shared with us last week? Could you imagine the impact that we could have? I mean, it's It's astounding. It's astounding. But faithfulness is hard, isn't it? You guys know, if you've ever been on a diet, right? You're like, I'm going to make a commitment. I'm going to go on this diet. And all it takes is a little piece of red velvet cake to pass in front of you. Cream cheese icing. And it's gone, right? You guys are like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? You know, I, you know what I'm talking about. I, I have experience in this area. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to eat good. And then someone hands me cookies. I'm like, praise God, I love cookies. (laughs) Faithfulness is challenging. Because faithfulness is long obedience in the same direction. That's what it is. It's a long obedience in the same direction. That's how Eugene Peterson talks about it we need to be faithful because God's given us an open door. I believe as a church, God has given Crossroads just innumerable open doors. I mean, there are open doors everywhere for us. And God's just saying, be faithful, be faithful to it. And it doesn't matter if you feel weak, just keep my word. Don't deny my name. It makes me think of the apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses seven to nine. Paul says this, for I For I do not wish to see you now on the way, but I hope to stay a little while with you if the Lord permits. But I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. You see what he's saying? He's telling the church in Corinth, I can't wait to come to you, but I gotta hang out in Ephesus because God is doing a crazy thing here. See, Paul allowed his five-year plan, his one-year plan, his three-year plan to be subservient to the will of God. But how many of us leave an open door because we got some other plans that God has absolutely positively given us? You just see it's happening like, wow. And we say, you know what? But I got some other plans here, Lord. I got this thing going on now. See, Paul subjugated his will to the will of God. Jesus, pray, Father, not my will, but what? Yours be done. And one of the ways that we're faithful is we don't run because we have a plan. We say, Lord, I'm sitting in front of your open door. I'm just going to hang here until it's over. And that's hard, isn't it, in our culture? Because we have, listen, it's not a bad thing. We are blessed in our culture to be able to plan, to be able to think, to actually not just be like, well, I'm just going to take whatever comes, but to say, hey, I'd like to get here. And if I want to get here, I can back it. I'm have to do this, 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 and this. And if all goes well, I can get there. That's not a bad thing as long, as long as you and I never allow our planning to run roughshod over the will of God. And when God gives an open door, we need to stick there. We need to say, Lord, I'm going I'm to be here as long as it takes, whatever it takes, because you have opened a door that no one can shut. And I want to be faithful, Lord, to you. I know what I found. When you are faithful to God, the people who are closest to you, you will be faithful to them. Parents, listen, if God asked you to make a tough decision for your kids for your family, that will impact your kids, you being faithful to God will ultimately be the best thing for your children. Because there's nothing more profound than when mommy and daddy come to the kids and say, listen, I believe God is leading us in this direction. I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't know how it's gonna go, but we need to be faithful to the Lord. And so, yeah, we're gonna downside. Yeah, we're gonna do X, Y, and Z. We're gonna move across the world or across the county to a needy neighborhood but we believe that God wants this for us and we're willing to do it. That is the hands down, the best lesson we can teach our kids. So much more than the lesson of accumulation. So much better to teach, this is what it means to be faithful to the Lord. This is what it means to say, God, I'm going to make a tough decision, but I believe God's in this. And we need to make sure that we stick there, in that faithful place, that faithful Place. I see this church in Philadelphia is great. God's given them an open door. They're faithful to God's word. They're faithful to his name. It's a faithful church. Now I want you to notice, because normally right now, what we would expect to be verse 9 would be something negative. But you'll notice there's nothing negative here. And I have a, a point for you with this. I'm gonna say it this way: it ain't bad to be all good. Or it's not bad to be all good. If you like proper grammar, it ain't bad to be all good. It's a simple point, isn't it? It ain't bad to be all good. If there's anything in your life, if there's anything in your life that someone would call into question, then don't do it. Why? Because it ain't bad to be all good. I've heard it said this way. Would we do that if Jesus was here? You know what's funny about that question? Jesus is here. And if you are here today and you have put your faith and trust in God through the finished work of Jesus, the spirit of God dwells in you. You know what that means? Then Jesus is there too. And if Jesus is there, are you really going to do that thing? Is Jesus going to be your partner in crime? It's a great way to look at our lives and say, what's going on in my life? What's happening here? The it's not. it ain't bad to be all good. It's interesting. The church in Sardis, the last one we listened to, they had no good spoken of them. Philadelphia has only good spoken of them. And that's why every single church, when they read the seven letters, everyone's like, I want to be the church in Philadelphia. We're the church in Philadelphia. You know what's interesting? There's another church that nothing bad is said about. Remember, as the church in Smyrna, the second letter. You notice no one wants to be the church in Smyrna. Why? Because they were the persecuted church. And no and listen, you gotta be crazy to want persecution. I mean, if God gives that to you, if that's part of your lot in life, you say, Lord, let me be faithful in the midst of this. But nobody wants to be that. But the church of Philadelphia, the church of the open door, we're like, Lord, I want to be the church in Philadelphia. And so I'm here to tell you, it ain't bad to be all good. And for some of you, even as I say that, there's things in your life that God's putting his finger on. And I just want you to simply respond to Jesus today. Just give it to him. Put that thing on the altar. Just say, Lord, I'm giving it, I'm putting it on the cross. The reason you died is because I do that. And if we're self-reflected, a lot of us, it's not just one thing. There's a litany of things. Because God's not finished with us yet. We all are in process. And God loves the process. He loves taking us from where we've been to where we're going. He enjoys it. He's a great designer. I, you often think about God as the designer. It makes you think about a, a great artist, right? And, and, and like, there's a story, and it's one of those pastor stories, so I don't know if it's actually literally happened or not. I, I've never been able to verify it, but, you know, Michelangelo was a great sculptor. And if you've ever either been to, to Italy and, and to Rome, Florence, and seen some of those sculptures, you just Google it too, it's almost as good. Cost you a lot less money and you won't have to wait on as many lines. A sculpture begins with a big piece of marble. And then Michelangelo, somebody asked him, so how do you get from like this big piece of marble to something beautiful? He's like, well, I just take away every piece that's not necessary. A great artist already knows what the finished product is supposed to look like and just simply goes at just chipping it away. And the beauty is, is God knows what you look like perfected in Jesus. Finally glorified later And until we get there This process of sanctification Experiencing what God has already done In our lives In fulfillment God is constantly just chipping away at stuff Sometimes he's got the sledgehammer Some of us know what that feels like And you might think Well that's bad But you know what's even worse Is when God takes out the fine sandpaper it's just gnawing away at an area But he's just taken away everything that's not necessary. Everything that keeps us from being the people that God has called us to be. So we, some of us just need to come and say, Lord, I need to give you my anger, my bitterness, my lust, my greed, whatever your thing is. And guess what? Everyone in here has got a whole lot of them. We need to come to Jesus right now and just say, Lord, I just give it to you. And you know what's good is, God's not beating you over, over the head with it. He knows that you don't like this either. And he's just saying, "Just come. Just come. Just be here. Just give it to me again today. For some of you in here, you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, and even today, by the end of the service, we're going to start that process because you're going to say, "You know what? I'm coming to Jesus today. I want to be forgiven. I want my life to be different. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I would love to have God with me all the time. Because I don't know about you, if there is a God, I'd want to roll with him all day long. I mean, you'd want God in your posse, your entourage, right? I mean, if you're going to roll, might as well roll with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, right? I mean, it's pretty logical, right? It's like you could have all these peeps, or you can have God with you. It's like, yeah, I'll take God. I don't mind those peeps either. For some of you, you're going to give your life to Jesus today By the end of this service And it's the best thing you can do Because then God starts the process What's interesting is God's already doing the process You're just resisting it all over the place right now From the outside, God is working on you But when you put your faith and trust in Jesus God gets on the inside and starts working you on the inside out From the depth of your soul outward Speaking of It ain't bad to being all good Listen to Paul in Philippians chapter 2 Verses 14 to 16 He says, And this is one of those verses. You're not going to like this, you guys. Do all things without complaining and disputing. Isn't that the worst verse in the Bible? That's one of them, right? Some of yours says, do all things without grumbling and complaining. That's an even worse translation. Jesus is... I want to thank you so much for listening to Jesus real radio. We are on the radio because we want to see all of God's children learn how to simply respond to Jesus. Jesus is at street level. He is where the rubber meets the road in your world. In my world Right where we are And where everybody is And it is our hope To see Jesus' real radio Reach every single living soul Who is alive on the earth In this generation God's heart Is that not any should perish But that all would come to repentance And we realize the radio Is an amazing opportunity To reach some of the more than Six or seven billion people on the earth So listen we're on the radio because people have given so that we can be. Now listen, God is generous. And God invites us to be generous in the entirety of our lives. You should be plugged into a local church. And you should be faithfully giving to that local church. We thank God for the local congregation Scattered all over the world But if you're one of those people Who want to step into giving Over and above What you would to your local congregation And if you're being blessed By the Jesus is Real Radio Ministry We would invite you to come And partner with us Literally we want to see The message of the good news Of the finished work of Jesus Not only reach everybody here in America But everybody across Europe In the 1040 window Across Southeast Asia all the way, all the way to the Far East for us. We want everyone here, and it's going to take people like you and like me to step on into that. So seek the Lord and simply respond to Jesus, and we're going to trust Him to do all that He wants to do with Jesus' is real radio. God bless you. Bye.